grab me a beer and grab him a coke. We bout to sit for an hour bullshit and tell jokes. And please don't mix it up, cause he done sobered up. Brandon T. Comedy on your social media feeds. And Brandon says, here, bitch, your ex drink your buddy. Brandon says, here, bitch, your ex drink your buddy. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Brennan Tassif is your ex-drinking buddy. I am your host, Brennan Tassif. If you're new to the show, quick rundown of the show. I used to be everyone's favorite drinking buddy. It was my favorite thing to do, hang out with friends, get drunk, do drugs, get in all sorts of trouble, talk shit, and reminisce about old stories. I'm sober now, but that is still one of my favorite things to do. Most weeks I will be joined by a guest. This week is no exception. Comedian all the way from New York City, Andrew Ginsberg. <sighs> Hey. <laughs> What's up, man? Hey, man. Th- thanks for having me. I'm stoked to be here. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on. Yeah. I, uh, we uh, were all hanging out at the Hell Yeah show, and I brought up the podcast, and your cohort, your co-producer was like, you got to get this guy on. Yeah. Crazy stories. <laughs> yeah. Um, so plug everything up front. Plug the show you guys do in New York, um, any dates you got coming up, social media, let everybody know where they can find you. Okay, cool. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Uh so yeah, well, first, I'm also uh, my friend's favorite ex-drinking buddy, no question. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure they all miss me, all the guys down in the factory. But um, yeah, I, uh, we produce the Village Idiot Comedy Show in the East Village uh, every Wednesday at the Juke Bar, 196 Second Avenue between 12th and uh, 13th. Boom. There is a free comedy show at 8 o'clock uh, with some of the best comedians in the city. As they make their way up to the clubs all night long, they stop by our show first, so check that out. It's free every week and every Monday at the Mayfly Bar. At 10 o'clock, it's an after-dark late-night show at 10 p.m. at, um, I think it's 269 East Houston Street in the Lower East Side. And we have one show once a month on the last Tuesday every month called Buzzed at the Mayfly, if you want to check that out. We're at we're at, at the Village Idiot on Instagram. There so you go. Appreciate Where's that. everything you're at? Uh, I'm on Instagram at Insta Ginsberg, G-I-N-S-B-E-R-G, so pretty simple. That's the main place to find me. Uh and that's it. I mean, you can check, also check us out at thevillageidiotnyc.com. All of our stuff's up there. Perfect. Well, again, I appreciate you coming on. You and Isaac were the first show, second show I ever did in New York. Really? And you guys don't remember because obviously <laughs> it's just a mic. I would think it was the Bombs Away mic or something like that. Oh, the that. Bombing Builds Character bombing, mic. That's what it was. Yeah. It was like my second or third day in New York, and I wasn't starting work till the next week. So I was like, I got to do mics in New York. Like, <laughs> yeah. here we go. I reached out in front of the show, Dan Lamort. I was like, hey, wh- where are the mics at? He goes, dude, I haven't done an open mic in like 10. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, but during the pandemic, a lot of people were doing Joey Bats. Yeah. So I looked it up and I went and I was all excited and I was like stood off to the side and I saw like 15 people sign up and I was like, oh, maybe I should put my name on the list. It's outside. Yeah. Traffic going, foot traffic. <laughs> yeah. And then you're just doing three minutes. And yeah. I remember I was like, oh, I'm going to do like my best three. Yeah. And I got up there and obviously I was like 16, so no one was paying it. And I was like, <laughs> all right, doing comedy in New York. <laughs> that was your intro to New York comedy? Uh, second one, yeah. Oh. The first one I did was Broadway Comedy Club, okay. which was fun. And that's where I met like Tori and Jimmy and a bunch of people. Yeah. And I think I've told this story before, but the very first mic I did was that. And I got to meet all these comics after because obviously I said I'm brand new, like it's my first mic ever in New York. Yeah. So I'm talking to people, and I remember thinking to myself, like, oh, comedy in New York's going to be so easy. Yeah. Like, if I'm meeting people <laughs> and hanging out after my very first open mic, yeah. like, I'm going to – this is going to – like, the next 10 open mics I did, like, nobody talks to you, <laughs> yeah. nobody stays, everyone's on their phone, and I was like – Oh, this might be harder than I first thought. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's always like uh, fun when you dive in, and then you're like, oh, "What am I doing? Yeah, what's, what the fuck? What's happening?" You dive into the deep end, and you're like, "All right, I can swim." And then yeah. after about an hour, you're like, "I don't think I can do this anymore." Uh, yeah, this is crippling my self esteem. The, <laughs> the the Joey Bats mic, it's funny. We don't do it anymore. We don't host it anymore. But uh, that was like a great thing because during the pandemic times when everything was closed, Joey Bats, this like pr- like this Portuguese dessert cafe became like the face of new york city comedy because yeah. all the clubs were closed that's the, what dan said dan was like you got to check out joey vat so the, i was like all right hell yeah it was the spot man like like every the only shows in all of new york city were happening there so like there are big shows like the mama's boy show that jared schwartz produces and those types of things were were huge during that time they were like real comedy shows with like mark normand and sam real and people yeah. like that doing them at joey bats cafe and it was really cool i, I feel like those people single-handedly saved uh comedy but then uh we took over the mic from Mama's Boy, from Jared, uh, okay. Isaac, and I. We did the Bombing Builds character mic, and we just kept it going as like a remnant of that. We thought it was cool to like, if you can do three minutes in a bike lane with sirens going off, and like, it's it's like, 
you're going to be all right. You're going to be okay in a normal situation, yeah. but it just became overwhelming for us. We had to give it up, but a lot of fond memories doing that thing. Yeah, it was, glad you got to see it. Yeah, it was super fun. <laughs> and then I remember thinking like, oh, like I said, I was like, oh, this is going to be a little harder. But then I, I met, I met Cody and, um, Billy and all them who yeah. do the hell yeah. And then obviously later on, I, I formally met you and Isaac who do Village Idiot and stuff. And I was like, oh, these are guys who just put together their own shows. Yeah. Because I've seen the flyers because I followed Village Idiot, I think, from that first mic. And like you said, I've seen those flyers. Like those are like heavy hitting comics that you have on and stuff. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> yeah. it's just one of those things where it's like, oh, once you're in New York and you've kind of – got your situation whatever it is would be at work and you know you can pay your rent and stuff you can just go and start doing shit yeah and that's one thing i noticed with the podcast is i'll reach out to comics who have i have no business reaching out to <laughs> and i'm like hey you want to do the show and they're like yeah i got an hour yeah <laughs> like, you're down the street no yeah. problem like we just had josh adam myers on who did the goddamn comedy jam i saw that and i love that guy <laughs> yeah I, I remember i was on a hell yeah show with ian laura and oh, so nice. i just reached out and i was like there's no way this dude's been on tv like there's no way he's yeah. gonna he was like, yeah, yeah, cool. And now him and I are like friends. And I was like, oh, this is this is weird just being in New York. Yeah. Are you originally from here? I'm originally from New Jersey, so technically the same thing, uh, sort of, yeah. a little different. But yeah, originally from Jersey. Um, I hung out in New York for a long time. Then I moved out to California for a few years, and then I came back in 2018 to New York. Were you doing comedy, and is that why you went to California? That's not why I went there. No, I went there for a, a weird job uh, okay. in, back in like 2014. I was doing stand-up out there a little bit, but not like not like I am now. When did you start doing – when did you like start going to open mics and like starting doing comedy? Yeah, I uh, – well, okay, so if you go if you go way back, yeah, like take from us when, all the way back, uh, all the way back from when I was like in high school or college or whatever, I was a uh, I was like an improv nerd in okay. the early in the early areas. I'm not I'm not embarrassed to say it. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm embarrassed. I, for you, <laughs> I was an improv nerd. Uh, I was really into Upright Citizens Brigade Theater and all that stuff. So like when I was way younger, like I'm talking like over a decade ago, I had like improv. I had a pretty popular improv show in Montclair, New Jersey, and stuff like that. Okay. So I was into the kind of like whose line is it anyway type game type of stuff. I didn't do stand up. I started doing stand up in San Francisco in 2015. That's when I first started hitting open mics. Okay. Um, then I went to uh, this place called Brainwash Cafe. It was like a radio show, and they used to do an open mic in the lobby of the radio show. And I I, oh, did, I used to do that. And um, so, Wait, I'm sorry. What year did you say this was? This was like 2015 okay yeah that's when i first started doing mics out there and you know it was fun but i, I got really addicted to it and then kind of set my sights on moving back to new york and trying to take it more seriously yeah so i'd say then in 2018 came back started hitting mics in the city and then I, I took some classes i took like the comedy seller comedy class to get like my chops up to speed with writing and then i just kind of started diving in and then right before Leading up to the pandemic, we were going hard. That's when I started yeah. interacting with Isaac. We were on a bazillion mics a day. And then uh, then the pandemic hit. Then I got involved with Joey Bats and all the outdoor stuff that was going on. I started doing outdoor shows and outdoor mics and places like, you know, doing a spot behind the dumpster and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. So that whole year was pretty weird. And then since then, I'd say since like a year ago, I've, I've uh, yeah, we've been going really hard. We've been doing all the shows and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And so, you guys have been, I mean, it's been, t obviously it's been taken off. Like yeah. it's, it's funny to me when I talk to comics in New York, because our pandemic lives were totally different. Yeah. <laughs> I was in Florida. Damn. So COVID doesn't exist. Right. So like I joke about it, but I was only out of work for like two and a half months. Oh. And then my restaurant was like, yeah, we're, we're back. Like, let's go. <laughs> and I talked to people up here. They're like, yeah, comedy was dying. Yeah. Like, there was outdoor shows and rooftop shows. And like you said, Mark and Sam and some of those bigger names that were doing those smaller shows really kept it going. Yep. But I was like, Oh, I got COVID in December of like 2020 yeah. because I did a show in Georgia for like 250 people. Like we had <laughs> indoor, like nobody gave a shit yeah. in the South. So it's it's one of the things that it's hard to wrap my head around is I come up here and everyone's like, yeah, it was just gone. It was gone. I had a guest on and she uh, had a pretty popular podcast, Amanda Lundy, and she was doing shows. We talked about it. She was doing shows at the cellar. Yeah. Like they were produced shows. So it's kind of it's kind of cheating because you're not – you know what I mean? Like you're yeah. not passed by the cellar. But still, you're doing a produced show at the cellar. That's fucking huge. Right. And then the pandemic hit like that week. Yeah. So it's... she went from doing stand-up at the cellar to all of a sudden it was just gone. Yeah. And I was like, that's insane. <laughs> like to work your whole life 
to get to New York, to get to that opportunity. And then it's just like, nah, we're just going to shut it down. But you guys were like, no, fuck that. Like, we're going to keep going. Yeah, I mean, but it wasn't just us. Like, it was like, there there was this whole counterculture, which I didn't know about it right away. So, like, when the when the pandemic first hit, I was like, I guess we're done. Like, I, I guess it's over. Like, <laughs> you know, hanging like, it like, up. Guess, you know what I mean? I guess the dream is dead. Um, and we all felt that way because, like, some of us had started to make some progress and, you know, we're getting booked on more shows. And then things just kind of came to a halt, especially people, like, at our level. And then... It's not that we wanted to keep going. I, I, I went to New Jersey for three months. I stayed in an apartment. And I was just kind of like hanging around. I didn't have much to do. And then when I came back to New York, I, like that was like probably June of 2020, I found out that there was this underground, there was a Facebook group, this underground, in, indoor, yeah, outdoor, indoor, underground. Outdoor. Yeah, I'm a at, part of that group. At the time, though, that group was like a, a seriously secret group for comedians that still wanted to do comedy sort of illegally. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I was going to say, because up here, it was taken, obviously, for the amount of deaths and hospitalizations. You guys were all, everyone was taking it super serious. So yeah. that is interesting that it started, because now it's just like an open mic group. Now it's an open mic group. But back then, it was like, but I, then it-, <laughs> it was like Gio Perez, Jared Schwartz, like a few of those guys early on, like started. They're like, hey, let's all do com- like comedy behind the dumpster, and let's all do that. Let's all meet up here and have a show. And people were doing park shows, and then then there became this kind of counterculture of like full blown stand up comedy. It was happening in New York, but it was happening sort of underground, secretively. Yeah. You know, I knew people that were doing shows illegally, like prohibition style, inside of speakeasies and bars. It was really like that. Yeah. Um, but once I found out that that was going on, I was like, this is also kind of cool, and yeah. I started doing it. Um, and then that's how we got involved with the out. We were like really big in the outdoor park scene for a while. You know, that was like. <laughs> That was like a, it was because, like you said, all those big guys like Normand and uh, Sam. I mean, there's more. Uh, Jess Kirsten, uh, like all kinds of people like that, were coming out and doing these like maniac shows that they wouldn't have normally had to do. So like we were all in, intermixed with like uh, all these different comedians, and it was great for everybody in, in some ways. Yeah, for the com- comedy community, it wasn't great obviously for the clubs and for the audiences and for all that stuff. But uh, it's just an interesting time to be alive, man. Well, weird. and that's also a crazy <laughs> way to. Get introduced because one of the hardest things I, I've learned from moving up here, because in the southeast, I mean, I wasn't I'm obviously not a huge touring comic, but I had enough pockets to where if I wanted to do shows, I could put together a run of shows nice. be it in Georgia, Alabama, Florida. And I could do that. So like if one month I was like, hey, I'm going to take off like three weeks from work and I'm just going to do shows, they would be real shows. Yeah. Like I wouldn't have to like I wouldn't list a bunch of open mics and say it's like my Florida tour. Like I could <laughs> you. And then I got up here and I was like, oh, I don't know. I knew one person when I moved up here and that's Matt Fulcheron, friend of the show. He's become a good friend of mine, almost like a mentor, but he was the only person I knew. Yeah. And then I and I was like, oh, so it's just open mics for days. <laughs> but what you all did was crazy because by hosting those shows, you got to meet and interact and become close with, if not acquaintances with, all of these huge nationally touring comics yeah because everyone was just trying to do the same thing like we just want to get stage time yeah, people just want to be in front of an audience man they didn't care yeah. you know that's i mean quickly say like that's how the village idiot started like because we there was this rule somewhere around last year where all the comedy clubs had to be closed it was like february or march yeah. of last year 2021 and there's this weird loophole for like two or three weeks bars were allowed to be open but the clubs were closed and during that time period we had a bar show when when every single comedy club in the city was closed, an indoor bar show. Yeah, I like to say we were the first indoor comedy show in New York City after the Boom. reopening. I like to say that. I think it was true. And um, no, it's true. We're it, putting it on. Yeah, the it's record. true. I it think it's true. true. I'm, I'm, I don't want to like you know lie. I think it's true. And. Um, and I remember when Isaac and I were planning the first one, we were like, let's just list out every comic we can possibly think of and just see if they'll do it. And they all said yes. <laughs> oh my god! Because everybody was like. You wait, you have a, you're gonna there's gonna be an audience there and it's a it's a comedy show and it's real and you know it's not it's not in a park and we're like, Yeah, it's gonna be a real show and the rest is kinda history. That's how, we kinda got upstream on some of that because as things were reopening we had a reoccurring show already that people were already starting to do and come to so it was yeah cool. and that's the thing is if you can get a couple big names on the first couple shows then everyone's going to come out yeah every, exactly yeah. that's one of the hardest things i've noticed is becoming that name is yeah. because like you could be a killer of a comic yeah but like if people don't know you you're not going to draw right so it's one of those things where if you can get some of the bigger names and then sprinkle in comics you know are good, then all of a sudden now people who come out to see the big names are now – I mean obviously everyone listening is like, yeah, Brennan, that's how networking works. <laughs> but, yeah. but at the same time, it's one of those things that I've noticed between doing stand-up in New York now and doing the podcast. It's like, oh, nobody gives a shit about me. Yeah. But if I can get on with other people, then maybe people will start to give a shit about me. And it's like this weird – this weird incestual, like, <laughs> we all got to work together. So 
one of us can make it and then they'll help us. And <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's like, it is kind of like that. You're right. Like, I mean, because it, it is cool when like, and, and these things happen when you have like, like we had like Ari Shafir on a show like last year when he wasn't really around doing much at all. And, yeah. And, the, and it was totally packed because people wanted to see him. And we were all excited because we got to put ourselves in front of this like big audience. So people got to see us too. And we all did well that night. And it was like a, a big kind of win for us in the in our community you know what i mean yeah and stuff absolutely like that. of course sometimes there's the uh, opposite of that like there'll, there'll be times where we have like <laughs> <laughs> have our favorite comedians on the show and then we'll like bomb in front of them you know what I mean? i'm pretty sure mark norman seen me bomb once or twice yeah and, yeah. <laughs> but like, oh, yeah that was killer like you know but it's like you you're yeah like, comedy <laughs> you're, you were great but like but technically uh it's, it's, it's always a good thing and it's like it's been great for us to kind of get ourselves in front of audiences and get better and stuff like that and it's been cool to meet all these like people that i admire which is awesome yeah that's I mean, another big part of it is the respect and admiration that we all have for these guys and girls who are doing it like yeah. they're doing it yeah they're there <laughs> yeah and so it's one of the it's it's so i know i've talked about it at nauseum on the show but it's so crazy to just because I hang, I do the hang a lot. Yeah. That's one of the things because I've been doing comedy since two thousand nine. So it's, okay. it's one of those things where it's like I know I've got this five, I've got this fifteen, I can do a twelve, I can do twenty seven, like whatever. Like I've got a solid base. So now I go to open mic still a lot, but that's it's always all new stuff. Yeah. Like I'll write down a bunch of shit and then I go on stage and I write on stage and I try and figure it out. But it's it's so bizarre because like I I hang a lot, especially at the stand, um, and so I'll just run into these people. Yeah. And like I said, some of them I've had on the podcast and stuff now. And it's because I have such an affinity and respect for stand-up as as stand-up. Like Lenny Bruce is my favorite. I've read his book like 10 sure. times. Like I love <laughs> classic. Yeah, Ideal. I love that idea of comedy, like challenging the status quo and all that. But it's bizarre because I'll be sitting at the stand, like at the bar, drinking my water, hanging out with John and Dan, the bartenders who have been on the show, and like Soder will walk in and he'll be like, What's up, man? And just keep walking. Which doesn't mean anything, but to me, I'm like, fucking Dan Soder said, like, what's up? Yeah. Or like, you know, same thing with like Aaron Burt and all those guys. It's like, oh my God, like, I feel like you're a part of it. Yeah. And the only time I've ever seen that is when you watch shows like Crashing or The Marvelous Miss Maisel or something. It's like, oh man, that would be so cool to like know those famous people. And it's like, oh, I kind of do. Yeah. That and it, you guys are on another level because you're booking them. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, what's up? I'm... Yeah, I mean, I run the show. I'm kind of your boss tonight. <laughs> I, don't I don't know if it's like we consider them the boss. Like we're no, their boss. I, know, I think I know. they're they're our boss. If you do, yeah. it goes on. They're like I'm gonna go on at this time, and if it doesn't work, you know. But like, yeah, it's fuck cool. you. I'm out of here. I'm out of here because I have ten other spots. But it's yeah. it's cool that we interact with them, and the stand is great for that reason. I think as a club, because like before the pandemic, I, they were in a different space, uh, and that yeah. that's like a newer kind of space, at least to me, for the stand itself. And it's like it's cool because. All the other clubs in the city, it's not quite like that. Like, there's a formal, like, there's the green room, and then there's like, you go see the acts. But the, I think the stand has cultivated a really cool thing where, like, the comedians and the audience and the people hanging out and the comedy community all kind of chill. Yeah. And, and you feel like kind of part of something greater, which is like, it's awesome that you get to see people like Soda and stuff like that. Yeah. And I, I love it. And that was the thing was, um, rest in peace. But Bob Saget was doing shows at the Florida Theater. So he went to the restaurant that my girlfriend was managing. Yeah. And I used to work there. So everyone knew we were moving to New York and I was moving for stand-up. So Bob was at the bar and one of the bartenders was like, oh, her boyfriend, like a friend of ours, is moving to New York for comedy. And I, I'll never forget, Bob told them, he's like, he's got to go to the cellar and just hang. He's yeah. got to do the hang. And I, I remember when I first got here, I was like, Bob said it, I'm doing it. So I went to the cellar like my first couple of months here. Yeah. And I was like, this is terrible. Like, as a hang. As a hang, yeah. Because like, get the, away from here. You can't be in the vicinity of this place. Yeah. All, well, all the comics sit in the back. Yeah. You're not allowed to, like, go near them. And as out of respect, I would never dream of it. Right. Um, and then, so you just, like, I would just get a seat at a table and, like, order, you know, pretzel crusted chicken tenders, <laughs> hang out for, like, an hour. And I'm like, oh, no one knows who I am. No one's talking to me. So then I just go home. Yeah. And then I found the stand and I was like, Oh, this is way different. Yeah. Like, way different. <laughs> yeah, they created, like, it's like it's like an open concept, kind of, where yeah. everybody can kind of hang out. And it, it is kind of jarring the first time you see people like that, just kind of <laughs> just you know, wandering, just around. wandering around, like, texting on their phone, just bullshitting, and you yeah. know what I mean? You're just like, oh. I made a huge mistake <laughs> once um, where, I've told the story before, but I'll tell it for you, because it's it's cringy and <laughs> disgusting. But my, my buddy, friend, been on the show a bunch, my best friend in Florida, I used to feature for him all the time, Marcus Crespo, mm -hmm. was opening for Soder in Orlando. 
So he texts me. I'm like, how'd it go? He's like, it's awesome. He's such a cool guy. We're all from the Southeast, so we all like wrestling and stuff. He's like, he's a huge wrestling fan. Yeah. Totally down to earth. Just a regular guy. Loves comedy. And Marcus knows how much I love comedy. He's like, so if you ever get the chance to like hang out and meet him and like talk, you guys would probably hit it off. So in my brain, I thought, I've got to introduce myself to Soder. Yeah. <laughs> so I went to the stand one night and he was there and I made the horrible mistake of accosting him as he was coming out of the bathroom. <laughs> you were waiting outside the bathroom? Dude, we're <laughs> stupidest thing I've ever fucking done in my entire life. Why was it? How, how bad could it have been? Well, he walked out <laughs> and I go, Dan! And he had this look of like jarred, like, what the fuck? And yeah. I go, hey man, I'm a comic from Florida. Like my buddy Marcus opened for you in Orlando. Like he said you were a great guy and I should meet you. And Dan was just like, yeah, man, okay. <laughs> and just walked away. And I, I just was, took a piss. Thanks, yeah, man. I was like, <laughs> I probably handled that poorly in yeah. my head as I walked away. But I mean- he says hi to me now, so yeah, and I think like they probably get have those kinds of what you think are strange interactions all the time. Yeah, you know what I mean. So yeah, I, I bet they don't think it. anything like. I'm sure most people are like, "Hey Dan, I uh, heard you know what I mean." Like I, I listen to Bonfire. What's going <laughs> yeah, on? You're man? the man, dude. Like I feel like they get they get that all the time. So they probably don't think of it the same way we do in our heads. Like yeah. when we're acting weird about it. Well, and know? that's the same thing when I met Burr for the first time. He called me a fucking creep, <laughs> and everyone's like, "Oh, that's terrible." I go, "No, it's totally the Burr interaction I wanted." Yeah, like that's Burr. Yeah. Like that's perfect, dude. It's uh, the, the first time I met Dave Attell, yeah. uh, which actually, like, I went to it. This was years ago, but I went to a show at the Comedy Cellar, and I was with my friend John, who's like a big fat. He's like he's like a, he's like a big fat looking guy. He looks like a mess. You know yeah. what I mean? And we're, and we're standing outside. And my friend John smoking a cigarette, and Dave Attell walks out of the cellar and he looks at us and he looks at my friend John. And he goes, "Yeah, you never see fat people smoking anymore. I love that." <laughs> And it was like the best interaction with a comedian I ever had, you know. So some, sometimes it's like like those interactions can be great. Yeah, you know I, I mean? I'm a big advocate <laughs> of smoking on this podcast. That's how I've got to hang out with David Tell, Dave oh, Chappelle. I met nice. through smoking. Really? Yeah, we were staying at the Soho when we Soho Grand because my girlfriend makes way more money than I do. When we first moved up here, <laughs> yeah, or before we moved up here when we were looking for apartments. Um, and I went outside to smoke a cigarette at like seven in the morning. Yeah. And who comes walking out but Chappelle. Really? He light a cigarette to smoke a cigarette. I was like, oh my God. Holy shit. Yeah. I can't believe he gets up that early. That's what I <laughs> After living here for a while and yeah. like seeing how late they stay at the stand when they do the secret shows, like yeah. they're there till five in the morning. So I was like, oh, now in my head in retrospect, I'm like, oh, he never went to bed. Yeah. Like, he, he just, just straight up, <laughs> straight up went upstairs, showered, changed, and then came back down. I was wow. like, that's a fucking monster, dude. What'd you say to him? But did he say something to you? Yeah, I've got a bit about it when I advocate for smoking, but I, I literally turned to him. And I go, holy shit, you're Dave Chappelle. Yeah. I'm a comedian from Florida. I love you. Fucking everybody loves you. And he turned and he goes, thanks, man. And I was like, we're best friends now. Like, he said, thank uh, you to me. Yeah, yeah, I'm best friends with Dave Chappelle. Uh, I want to get back to you, though. So yeah. you, you grew up in Jersey. Yeah. When... When did you start like getting in? Because you sent me some crazy stories, yeah. which we're going to get into in a little bit. But when did you like? Did you have like the normal upbringing, both parents, or was there like how did how did how was growing up in Jersey? Yeah, it was good. Uh, it was like so. I grew up in a town called Old Bridge, New Jersey, which is like right in the middle of the state. It's the central portion of the state. Okay, um, it's it's like twenty minutes outside of Rutgers University, but it's very rural. Uh, at least when I was growing up, even more so. There was like it like used to be apple cider farms and farmland and oh, stuff. Shit. But then at some point in the nineties, all these like people from Brooklyn and Queens just moved there for no reason, even though they'd never been to the like to like to the farms or the countryside. Gentrifying so, like, farmland, baby. exactly. But like, but basically, you had these. So you had this town with the original Obridgians, who were these like you know like hey, we're from Obridge, like we're like the original Obridgians, and then these maniacs were my parents and the people like them that came from Queens and Brooklyn that were like, we got to build bagel stores everywhere. We got to build. Oh, so you're parents were those people yeah they were okay. maniacs like they're lunatics you know and everybody we knew was like on the development that we lived in was a new development full of people that had migrated from queens these are these are people that had lived in zero bedroom apartments like my mom and dad lived in an apartment with, with no bedrooms in yeah. queens they didn't know any they were urban people they didn't know anything about living like on a, on a piece of land you know and like so they they were all here and they would just basically drive around and go what the hell's going on here you can't get you can't get a cup of coffee in this place and then so then they built. I can't get a pizza at two <laughs> in the morning. Yeah, what what the am fuck? I? What are we doing? Like they all moved there just to complain about how it's not New York. You know, when I was growing up, I, I would be like, "Hey, Dad, I think me and my friends are gonna bike ride around town." He'd be like, "Yeah, of course you are. You what are you gonna do here? There's nothing to do here. You guys don't know nothing about living in the city like that." So, and everybody was like that, and they were all nuts. And so it was like us mixed with the old Bridgians. Like some of them were my friends, like the locals. Like my granddaddy worked for the old bridge yeah. company, and my great grand. And then there was us, and our parents were maniacs. And um, it was it was just. All of us had all this energy 
but nothing to do. You know yeah. what I mean? Like we had nothing to do at all, but we, we like had parents that told us that we should be spending more time in the city. They should have never left. Like everybody kind of mutually agreed on this. Cause like how far is it from the city? It's like 40 minutes from the city. Okay. Um, and, and I guess as it pertains to drinking, uh, I had a fine upbringing, but my parents were lunatics, you know, in this, in the sense that like my mom was the kind of, like if someone cut you off, she'd be like, Oh, look at that jerk off, cut me off. Like, you know, and then the local old people would be like, Hey, have a nice day. Sorry. Yeah. I didn't mean to, you know what I mean? That, and that was what was going on everywhere. Um, they didn't drink my parents. They just, okay. which was unusual for some reason. I just came out like a raging lunatic for some reason. They just didn't drink like, uh, they, my mom twice a year would have wine and act like an idiot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Say something racist and fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'd be like, all right, there's mom. My dad just didn't drink at all. No, he never started. He never, he just didn't drink. He was a yeah. gambler. He played Texas Hold'em for a living. So he had a weird, oh, wow. he had a weird, he was, my family's pretty strange. Yeah. Um, but me, I was just a regular dude. I was really into uh, music when okay. I was young. I, I like worshiped the Beatles and Led Zeppelin and uh, Pink Floyd and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I got just really into partying when I was in high school, and then I just didn't how stop old, for 10 years. <laughs> I was going to say, how old were you when you first started drinking? Uh, when I first started drinking, I was... All right. The first time I had a drink, I was in seventh grade. Okay. And... Um, Rock and so, roll. <laughs> my dad used to have these... Uh, like he was a gambler, right? So he used to have these poker games with like just his his friends. That wasn't like for like because he plays in like big tournaments and like casinos and stuff. But like he that. would have like just friends over to once a month. He'd have the guys over, and the guys It's like when we hang out with comics and we talk in bits. It's yeah, like, yeah. Is this a bit? What are you doing? Yeah, are you trying to be funny right now? Or are you serious, man? Yeah. You know. But like they would play like just normal like five card poker, and they would hang out and like the whole part. The whole my house was a very sterile place in the sense that like there was no booze in it. Nobody smoked cigarettes. It was quiet. Um, except for when my mom was yelling and stuff like that. But like when my dad had the guys over, they were like partying and drinking beers and they were loud till like four o'clock in the morning. And I, yeah. I, I love, I remember when I was in seventh grade, like, this is the best. Like <laughs> I want to hang out with those guys, yeah. you know? And the, I remember even the smell of like the Budweiser spilling all over the table. I was like, that's the best smell I've ever smelled. Like I, I knew before I tried it that I was, I just was predispositioned to love it. Yeah. I knew I was going to love it. So I, in seventh grade, I stole a Budweiser from the fridge during poker night. Called up my buddies. I was like, I got one a, Budweiser. One Budweiser. You know, I'm in seventh grade. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, everybody up. <laughs> hey, you guys. I got a Bud. You know, which was exciting because we had all tactically planned. Like, how would we? How would we get our beer? You yeah. know, how can we? Our parent, my parents will notice if one's missing from this. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. We grabbed the one beer. I had it. I met my friends in the woods. There was me, this guy Alex, and this kid Matt. And they each took one sip and were like, "Bleh, you know, it's so bad." You know, classic like little kid stuff. But now you. I drank the whole thing and I was yeah, like, "Yeah, you and, did." And I said in my head. This is the best. I'm going to keep doing this. Like I loved every second of it, and um, and then I I wouldn't say I just started drinking after that. Then it was like a while until I drank again. I got really into weed, so I was smoking tons of pot when I was like in eighth grade or whatever. But, okay. But in in high school we started drinking like just like high school kids do. But of course it was, it was it was everybody I hung out with. We all just drank uncontrollably all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, uh, that's the thing is, <laughs> especially because I didn't start drinking until I was a senior in high school. Okay. Because because I had the opposite effect where people in my family did drink. And yeah. I was like, oh, I don't – I see what happens to them. Like, yeah. I don't want to do that. Like, that's – like, they lose control and then they'll do things that they end up, you know, apologizing for or they don't remember saying. Like, there's, you know, so many times where someone will be like, oh, yeah, I'll totally take care of that. But they're hammered. And then the next day you're like, hey, are we going to do that thing? And they're like, what are you talking about? And <laughs> yeah. I just saw that and I was like, oh, I'm never going to drink. Like, that's that's in fact why I don't – Never drank beer. I was never a beer guy. Even okay. in my alcoholism, it was all it was liquor. Okay. Because I remember one time we went to a family thing and it wasn't my dad. It was like my dad's friend or my mom's friend's husband or something. Like I did something and the guy yelled at me and he had that beer's breath. Yeah. And I was just like, that's disgusting. Yeah. Like I'll never touch that stuff. <laughs> and I held true to my word. I was a fucking straight shot guy. Huh. But I remember when I first started drinking in high school, like by the time I was a senior and all my anxiety and depression, all that went away. I was like, oh, I just need to get obliterated. Every every If I'm going to drink, I'm going to get obliterated. Like yeah. there's no other reason. No, there's no other way. Yeah. So I, I'm assuming <laughs> I was a little late to the party, pardon the pun, but I'm assuming that's how everyone drinks in high school was like, oh, we're just going to get fucked up. Yeah. And you and you hang out with people that are like-minded that just yeah. want to get – like if you – if you were like not down to get so fucked up that it was, um, then I didn't really hang out with you. Like, I, mean, I didn't associate with you. Yeah, yeah, like it was like we were all. I mean, we were so. I mean, okay, this group that I hung out with in high school, and who some of them are still my friends to this day, like sort of. You know what I mean? Sort of. For the, for the most part, like uh, there's a few people that aren't, but because of not drinking anymore. But um, we were all like just a bunch of kids 
who were like-minded in that we were going to drink as much as we possibly could every, every yeah. single weekend. And it was like, it was like, all right, you're bringing your own 30 case, right? You're going to try to drink 24 in my face? It was like, yeah, I'll try to do that. It's like, you're going to be throwing up. Like, it was like competitive. It was like wrestling. Fuck yeah. You know, it was like, you know, it was like you'd have me at the party and be like, you won't chug that bottle in my fucking face right now. We like, <laughs> it was like craziness. Like, we were just getting as blacked out as you possibly could, um, doing crazy shit, sleeping. We would like drink in the woods all night, then sleep face down in the woods or sleep in like a bench in the park nearby and then like go home at like seven o'clock in the morning. This is all in Old Bridge? This is all just parading around Old Bridge, just driving around the town drunk. You know, like every year on New Year's, we'd like drink all night and then drink all New Year's Day into January 3rd or whatever. Fuck or yeah. 2nd. You know, it's like Fuck we yeah. had these weird traditions and uh, we were just a, a, a collective group of like punk rock maniacs. Yeah. So of. this was all of high school. All of high school. Yeah. Now you mentioned college. <laughs> well, I only bring it up because you mentioned college. So you yeah. did go to college. I did go to college. Do yeah. You mind saying where you went? Yeah, sure. Well, I was a I was a pretty terrible student in high school. That's where I was getting. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I mean, I used to cut class all the time so I could smoke cigs in the woods and yeah. like you know, and yeah. do that kind of As stuff. As you do. And I didn't give a fuck because I was convinced at that time I was going to be a rock star. <laughs> like if you had asked me what I was going to do in my life, I was going to be in a famous rock band. Like yeah. I, there was no There's other. Not even a question. Is that, we, there was no question. Why are we really, even having it this really discussion? wasn't to me. I really believe that. And I was in a pretty why good band. Talking about yeah, this. There's nothing to talk about. And so I was like, I'm going to fucking party. I'm going to be in a rock band. I'm going to die. It's going to be fine. That was like kind of how I felt. I did go to college though. I went. So first I went to like Brookdale Community College, which okay. is uh, that's like where you go when you can't go to regular college and you yeah. grow up in New Jersey. But it, they had these programs where like, if you manage to get through that, then you can go to a normal New Jersey state school. We have the same thing in Florida. So if you go to a community college in Florida for two years and get your associates, yeah. you then it's like a statewide thing, like a public university then has to accept you. Yeah. yeah exactly. So if you get your AA from like Daytona Beach Community College, you could then go technically to the University of Florida and get your finish your degree there to get your four year. Yeah. Which doesn't sound like a thing, but like the University of Florida is like one of the most like sought after degrees in yeah. the Southeast. So it's like you could literally start at DBCC and then end up with like one of the, a degree from a place that everyone's like, oh, wow, like Florida. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So they have the same thing in Jersey where you can go and like do a route and then get into a big university. Yeah. You can like graduate from Rutgers. I went to Montclair, which is like fine. It's the other state school in New Jersey. You okay. know what I mean? And like. When I got into college, I actually became quite a good student because I was majoring in English. Like I like to read books, and I was super brooding during so that time. What happened? <laughs> Drinking more. Yeah. What happened between partying and raging in high school to then being this buttoned-up student that's not skipping school? Did you? Is that something you developed when you went to the community college, or is yeah. that something that happened when you got to Montclair? No, no, no. I was still partying during all this. I was just. I, so it's like I went to college. I went to community college. All my friends are gone. Like a lot a lot of them went off to normal schools, but I was I was home oh, okay. I was home with like a, f a core group that then became my even more best friends. Doesn't you know that I mean? piss you off when people you party with end up getting into these crazy <laughs> schools and it's like Wait a second. How did you get a 1600 in your SAT? Like, I know. You partied as hard as I did. Like, what the fuck is going on? That's like the trick of the whole thing. You know what I mean? It's like some some kids knew that like it, like that they could do they could have it both ways. Like I had no interest in even like pra like preparing for the SAT. Yeah, you didn't care. I I I would like L out of class. Like, I would like not go to class so much that they'd be like, "You just fail because you're never coming." Yeah, you know. And then I'd go to summer school. Oh, I'm very aware. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, oh, I yeah. had friends that didn't do that. That they party, but they were like, "Oh, it's Monday. I better hit the books. Like, I gotta go to college." I wasn't like that. I was like, "Fuck everything." Like, so you, know? you but you did. You did have people you partied with who ended up going to oh, like. Yeah. I, so you, that so went you, away. Yeah. 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 So you end up in community college, and now you've got this tight knit group of friends because you guys are all like, "Okay, maybe we should." What was the thought oh, process before you went to community college? Because up to this point, you're like, "I'm." going to be a fucking rock star who cares why did you go uh that's a good question i mean well thank you yeah 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 i mean like i went because i felt like you had to go to college okay my 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 mother it, it, like is a is a nut but she was really serious about school adamant like, about like adamant like you gotta go this you can't do anything in this world and the way i saw it was like well, it's okay. I mean, community college, when I first went, I liked it. Like, you know, I was like, uh, why not? It's, it'll be a couple hours a week. You know, I can take my time. Yeah. I'm going to, I don't have to take math class. My main problem was like science and math. I was like, I can take classes like basically writing book reports all the time. If I can read books like that, that's, that sounds interesting to me. It's fine. Yeah. And it, I liked like, I didn't have to be somewhere from 6 a.m. till 4 p.m. in a regimented, like I was like taking night classes here and there. It didn't disrupt my partying at all. Yeah. And the friends that I was back with that were like, in the town, like we formed this bond of like, yo, we didn't leave, like because we're because we're keeping it fucking real, yeah. you know what I mean? And then we were still partying like maniacs too. So well, and that's also a good point because I took a I took two semesters off because I got accepted to FAU, but I didn't want to go because I was still like trying to work out the whole football thing and everything. Yeah, so I took two semesters off, but I did the same exact thing. I was like, 
well, I'm not going to not go to school. <laughs> yeah. like, that's, I'm not going to be some loser who just sits at home all day. Yeah. So I, I did the same thing, even though I was, I was, not, I was set on not going to college initially when I graduated high school. There was still a part of me that's like, no, you got to do something. Like yeah, you're yeah. not gonna, you're not gonna just sit all day and like go to work and then just drink. Like you got to do something. You gotta, you gotta. Well, also like we all were going at that time. Like all me and all my friends were going. Like so, I was like, we were. Yeah. I, I was like, I'll go to community college. I, I was in a band called Noisterdamus at that time. Not the best name. <laughs> not the best name, but very good band. And like, I, so I actually believed in my head that I was like, it's only a matter of time before this band gets like a record deal. <laughs> so it's like, if it makes, if it makes <laughs> I really believe that. So I was like, if it makes my mom happy. Then I'll go take English classes at community college. And I, I found that when I started taking the classes, I actually did quite enjoy it. Yeah. Because I enjoyed the content. And like, so it actually, and it mixed well with where I was at mentally during that time. And then nothing changed. Like at, at night, we were still going crazy with my friends on the weekends too. I didn't take class like two in the afternoon. I yeah, never took an early class. Move, yeah. yeah. You don't so, take classes on Fridays or Mondays. And no. then you take classes in the afternoon, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Yeah. 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 And I was good at Brookdale. I, I got through it. Like, you know, I graduated on the top of it. Like, I, it's not saying much. Like, it wasn't a high but bar. Still, but still, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> then I went to regular college after that. Okay. So yeah. when you got to regular college, same thing. Was it just like taking classes at selected times and then still partying on the weekends and everything? Yeah. When I when I went to regular college, I was partying, I would say, even harder than I'd ever had. But I, I was really high functioning during that time. Whereas, like, I think during the Brookdale days, we were still all meeting up at night doing the... Uh, you know, like, all right, like, the, like you won't drink that. You won't drink. Let's have a drinking competition. Let's try to drink a whole keg. Like, we were just like, it was everything we did was centered around drinking. Yeah. Whereas when I got, when I went to Montclair, uh, I, I didn't do that as much. I didn't associate. I was like, oh, I'm into, you know, I'm into IPAs now. I, uh, I'm i sophisticated. I'm, I'm a junior in college, for Christ's sake, yeah. you know. And, and like, you're oh. majoring in English. And so I'm majoring like, in English. Yeah. I, I write excellently. And, uh, so I, the great Orson Welles once exa- said. Exactly. Yeah. It's like I'm chain smoking. I'm, I'm, Fuck yeah. I'm staying up all night. I'm drinking wine. It was like a, I was still partying, but I, I, I was definitely thought I was more sophisticated. And, it, and it, didn't, it didn't impact any areas of my life. Like I always had a job. Like I worked yeah. in like a pool table store or something. I always like did fine at school. And I just – I had so much energy. To, like when I was younger, I would be able to stay up till like 7 o'clock in the morning and drink. I was into beer. So I would drink like 30 beers every single time. I drank, I, and like I would just wake up like two hours later and be like, "Let's start the deck." Like, I was always yeah. fine. That didn't change till like, I got older. Um, so when I was younger, I was like a superhero in that way. <laughs> I, it's, it's so funny you say that because I don't obviously I don't drink anymore. No, and neither. Be, yeah, <laughs> even before that, I I was doing vo- like when I got really bad at my alcoholism, it was vodka because it was the the cleanest thing I could drink. Yeah. Because I started getting, you know, you get those old man hangovers where yeah. all of a sudden when you're 28, 29, 30, it's like, oh, this isn't like when I was 22. No. Like, this hurts. Yeah, it's when it's dark. When I was in, yeah, when I was in college, <laughs> though, I would drink Sailor Jerry rum. Oh, yeah. Which is dark rum, 92 proof, all sugar. Yeah. When I first got to college, it was Captain, but then Captain wasn't strong enough. Yeah. So then I switched to Sailor Jerry and I was like, fucking let's go. And then I would mix it with Mountain Dew Code Red. <sighs> So 7,000 grams of sugar. Dude, my older sister would be like, you're going to get diabetes. <laughs> yeah. Like, be a normal alcoholic and drink vodka like the rest of us. Yeah. Like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. So I remember, but it's like you're saying, like, I, I remember in college, I would drink all night. Yeah. And obviously, this would be in the off season or an off day because I was playing football the first couple of years. But when I stopped playing football, my alcoholism, like, took over. Yeah. I would drink all night. And then I would I would pour shots on the table, and then I would wake up, and there would be one or two shots left over. I pound those for breakfast, for sure. And everyone's like, "This guy's a monster." And I go, <laughs> "You say monster, I say superhero." Like, yeah. no, no, no one else can do this. What yeah. I'm doing. <laughs> and then I got older, and I was like, well, "I can't." I had to switch to vodka. I, was, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Like, I'm, I think I'm dying. <laughs> well, it's like funny because like I had those moments too where. You party all night, like in college, and like you wake up the next day, and like I drink like whatever beers are left over on the table, Fuck and I'm yeah. like, let's fucking go. But then you flash forward like eight years later, and it's like I'm gonna have a beer before I go to work, so I seem normal today. Yeah, it's like, oh, this isn't so cool anymore. I gotta stop shaking. <laughs> yeah, like, do a couple I'm, of I'm shots. a fucking mess. I reek. Uh, so that I mean, like that's that's kind of how it, like my friend Jerry, who was was my biggest drinking buddy. Actually, we were best friends. He got we are still best friends. He got sober before I did. Okay, um, and he. Uh, he always says that it's like it starts out as fun and then it's fun with problems and then you wake up one day and it's just problems. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> I always say there's a line from a movie I really like, which is uh, doomed youth is very romantic. But yeah. Doomed middle age is just sad, <laughs> which is true. Like yeah. when I know you were talking about the rock star thing and I was the same way. I was like, I'm, I'm going to do com-. like I started comedy in 09. I was like, I'm an artist. I'm going to be a comedian like, you know, like Greg Giraldo and Mitch Hedberg and yeah. like dark and mysterious. And, yeah. 
And because I, I honestly thought I wanted that path to yeah. just be that crazy comic who drinks himself to death. And yeah. like, that's what I wanted to do. And then when I got into my 30s, I was like, oh, this isn't cool. Any like, I'm not a young, like, oh, I'm so dangerous kid anymore. Like now I'm just getting hammered by myself, like yeah. watching Netflix. Yeah. Like watching reruns of Burn Notice doing shots. Like, <laughs> this isn't, this isn't fun. No, I mean, uh. Uh, honestly, the along those lines, that's what kind of led me to stop drinking. Like the first time I ever had the thought, like a lot of a lot of things had happened that yeah. had, had like oh, and we're gonna get into some and of we'll this. get into some of that. But the but the way I I the first thought I ever had about not drinking anymore was had to do with them because I always worshipped like Charles Bukowski and those yeah. guys. Oh yeah, like, yeah, we're just drinking. Then uh, life is meaningless. I live life and yeah. then I write about it. Yeah. <laughs> and I write about it and like who gives a shit? And I was like, yeah, these guys are the coolest. And like I like growing up. I, I really, really was into Bord Anthony Bourdain, like yeah. the No Reservations TV show and stuff like that. Love Anthony Bourdain. He's the man, right? I was like, here's this guy going around partying all over the world, and he's like smoking, and he's drinking, and he's and he doesn't have hangovers, and he's cool as fuck, and he's in his 40s, and I was like, this is gonna be me, you know what I mean? Like, but then when he killed himself, I, I remember it had like a profound impact on me because I was thinking like, this guy was not a happy guy. Like this, yeah. this wasn't a guy who had anything figured out. Like this is a guy I idolized. This is a guy I want to be like. Like a guy who never faced his problems, like never really resolved what was going on inside of him, used drugs and alcohol to placate himself throughout his life and couldn't wrap his mind around like he had all this going for him, but he still couldn't beat it because he never took the time to do the work. And I was just like, no, I don't idolize this guy at all. I don't want to be anything like this guy. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and that was when like a, you first. That was like, when I first was like that. There was like a shift in my thinking. Like this is no longer very cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. not. Yeah, it's it's it just become sad to a certain point. Yeah. Did you um, if you don't mind my asking, because I'm yeah. very open about getting sober, and I've told that story a million times. But yeah. when you got when you decided to stop drinking, did you? go full bore and like start going to meetings, go to a detail. Like, did you do that whole thing? Or did you just wake up one day and be like, I'm not going to drink anymore? No, I, um, cause I went to rehab and then that didn't take, cause yeah. after a year I got out and I was two weeks away from my one year chip and I turned to my roommate who I met at the halfway house and I was like, we overreacted. Like, <laughs> we're good. Yeah. And my uh, ex fiance wow. now, but my girlfriend at the time who then became my fiance, then my ex fiance, she was like, yeah, she was so much younger than she was six years younger than me. So she was like, yeah, you totally overreacted. Like you've got a good job and everything's going well. Like you can have a couple of drinks. And as soon it was Frank the Tank Man. As soon as it hit my lips, I was like, "This is so good." Yeah, it was just like that, huh? Yeah, and then I ended up in jails and then detoxes and hospitals. And I've told those stories. But then it took me. I always tell people I went to rehab in 2013 and promptly got sober in 2018. <laughs> so for but you, that's the path, right? It's like yeah. a jagged. Oh, path. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's really jagged. <laughs> But for you, after you, the Bourdain thing happens and you're thinking like, oh, I got to change something. Yeah. Did you just put it down or what happened? Dude, it's the weirdest thing. So I will say though, like, and we'll, I'm sure we'll cover some of this, but like I had a lot of, there was like a lot of points in my life over the years where I could have, I should have, I could have stopped drinking. Yeah. Like things got bad enough where I was like, I should, I could stop now. You know what I mean? And then I didn't. So it's funny. Like when I actually did stop it wasn't like a big, heavy, like I didn't like, I, and I have in my life crashed a car, gotten arrested, like ruined relationships, acted like a psycho, almost lost my job, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but this was just, I was in a restaurant and I had been thinking about um, how my life was a mess. Like, yeah, let's tell the story. <laughs> tell the story. Because well, this is one of the stories you sent me. Oh, uh, uh, what? The the one of uh, the, the restaurant, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. This is, and it's actually, it's not that, it's, I mean, it's, it's it's not that great a story. It's just, no, it's, it's just pretty it's, hilarious. It's, I, I want to make sure we're talking about this. The, right the one, one at the fancy restaurant. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, it's, it's not a crazy, it's not that crazy. It's just that, like, okay, so. So 2018, 19, I'm, I'm, I, at this, that was the point in my life, I would say. So up until that point, I was, I was high functioning. Yeah. Like I was, uh, I, I worked, I was, I was always like, never lost a job. I was partying like a lunatic all, like pretty much always, at least four or five times a week going out all night long and stuff like that. But I always had it together for some reason. Um, you could always hold it together. I could always hold it together. Yeah. Like nobody really knew anything was up. Like, you know what I mean? And I would party like an absolute lunatic a lot. And, but like in 18 and 19, that's when I started to have these thoughts in my head that I was losing control yeah. of, uh, of my drinking. I was doing a lot of drugs during that time. And uh, well, I, now, when you say drugs, are you talking about like just weed or like actual drugs? No, nah, like I still, I'll still fuck with weeds. I want to yeah. be clear that I'm not totally sober in that way. If I, I'll still fuck with weed, but like, um, I was doing like MDMA and okay. like some sort of other amphetamine type substance yeah, that yeah, me yeah. and my friend were really into during that time. 
Um, I was coupling that with drinking all the time and getting really into hard liquor. And the, I don't mean to interrupt you, but the reason I ask is because I've had people on the show and they're like, yeah, I was doing so many drugs, like smoking weed every day. And I go, okay, hang on a second. <laughs> no, 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 no. I used to do coke and snort heroin. <laughs> like, let's, let's dial it back. <laughs> no, I, so in 2018, uh, I had moved back from San Francisco. I was living in a weird house with some of my friends. We were just entering our 30s. Um, we were partying a lot. Like, so this is before you moved back to New York? Yeah, I moved back to New York like six months or a year later. And so like eight, 2018, I would say, me and my friend got into <laughs> – like we were drinking a lot. And then, and then we're getting old, right? So we can't stay awake anymore when we're drinking as yeah, much. So we, so we were starting to pass out. So we got to stay up all night. So now we're introducing like these like – I want to say it was like a Molly-like amphetamine substance. Yep. Um, I don't know exactly what it was. Not we getting... the first time that's been brought up on the show. <laughs> really? Um, yeah. <laughs> Molly cut with like... – Molly-esque yeah. substance. But it was like you'd be up – like till like ten o'clock in the morning the yeah. next day. I had someone on I forget who it was. They're talking about Molly lace with uh, PCP. And yeah. So you'd get the same effect. It, we would joke around, be like, "It's like Molly esque." Like we didn't know what it was. This guy would it's just Molly sell it. It's Molly. But we would just take it. Like God knows what was in it. And we were doing that a lot. And I had started to have those feelings in 2008. Like I'm, I'm kind of losing control. I had one of, I had one of those, um, these moments. I was at like a friend's like wedding or something, and I was on. I was on that substance. I had been drinking for like two days straight and I was just talking to some, some woman that I went to high school with and she looked at me and she goes, Andrew, I don't know what you're talking about. You're on drugs. And I, <laughs> and I remember being like, what? She knows, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, like just like those types of moments where I, I felt like I was like losing it a little bit. Um, but then, so like then 2008 and I'm super depressed. I'm all fucked up. I gained like, I was like, I gained like 70 pounds and I'm chain smoking. And yeah. then it's like, and then it's like, yeah, I got up to 315. You did. Yeah. I, I was 208 when I was at my fattest, but like, I'm like, I think a little smaller than you. And yeah, that was a lot pretty smaller. fat for me. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, it was crazy. Uh, I've lost 50 pounds since I quit drinking, but they, um, then in 2019, again, I'm still full force partying. And then the COVID, COVID happens yeah. in March, 2020. And that kind of trickles into this story with the restaurant. So like, March 2020, I just my buddy was in New Jersey. He had an apartment opened up. Uh, he was trapped and he was on a trip in Hawaii and got stuck there because they grounded like these flights or whatever. And, okay. and like so, his company was like, "You can stay here." So I went to his apartment. Oh, like, I'm trapped. He in was Hawaii. trapped in Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. But he did, obviously didn't want to go back, right? Yeah. So I was like, "Great, I'll go to your apartment in Jersey. I'll get out of the city. I'll ride this whole COVID thing out. It'll be great." And I'm in this apartment in Jersey, and I I don't I'm not seeing anybody. I don't know anybody there anymore. My parents don't live in the same place where I grew up anymore. So I'm there by myself, and I was just there for like three months by myself. And during that time, that's when I like when I was removed from the way I was living, when I didn't have access to drugs, when I wasn't like I, I was still drinking, but like I didn't have my social life to. Yeah. That's when I was like, dude, I am. What am I doing? Yeah. Like, I, I got to see things for the first time because you I, come out of the lifestyle and then you're like, oh, why do shit. I live? Like, what am yeah. I? I? Well, I was like. At first, I realized like after a few weeks, I don't, I didn't miss anything. Like I was like, I don't miss like going to this, like this bar I'm a regular at, or like I was like, I don't miss any of this stuff. So like, why am I doing it all the time if I like don't even like it or like or I, I, now that it's gone, I don't even think about it. Like I don't yeah. miss it, you know. And um, and I started and I wasn't partying as much because I was I was doing those things where like they were doing these like Zoom calls and like you would like meet up with your friends on a Zoom call. This is, like in the very beginning of the yeah, pandemic. I remember yeah. yeah. And like I would like get black out on a Zoom call, and then I, I'll never forget the feeling of like clicking out on a Zoom call. It's like 3.30 in the morning. You've been virtually partying with your friends all night. And then the, the, the screen just goes blank. And I'm like, I'm just wasted in my apartment by myself. Now like, what, yeah, like, you're, what, now you're alone. I, and I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything. You know, what am I doing? Because like, yeah. uh, everything's closed. You know what I mean? I, it was just like a really dark, weird feeling. You know what I mean? And then, okay. So then what led to me quitting drinking was like, I was just, went back to the city, started partying again after that. So I had that like little. So this is in the midst of COVID. In the midst like, of COVID. In June, I went back to New York. Okay. So I was away from New York for three months. And that's when I had my little time period of like, ooh, maybe I should Reflection, change. Yeah. I was reflect. But then when I went back to the city, I was like, fuck nah, it. I just started that. partying again. Yeah. You did exactly what I did. <laughs> I overreacted. I'm yeah, good. Yeah. I'm, I'm good. Like, no, no, this is fun. Like, you know, full. And then again, like, again, I, I'm back before I knew it. Mid to late summer, I'm doing these drugs again. Like me, I'm like every time we drink, we're doing like shrooms and this Molly substance, and we're like just like staying up all night. Yeah, and like and then I'm gaining weight. It's all happening again, and I'm just like, dude, it's all happening again, and I'm like a mess. And I was I've like, seen this movie before. I've done this before, but I was really aware of it. Like I like knew I was like I remember like I felt kind of good like uh, and now I feel horrible again. Like I had like much more awareness. Yeah, I went to this fancy restaurant in September of 2020 with. Uh, the you got to tell me what restaurant it was. Off it was mic, called. Off um, you don't gonna say it now. No, no, no. It's fine. It was uh -huh. called. It was called. 
like pat what is it it's the fancy french place it's like pasties or something oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 you know that place so yeah my yeah. girlfriend and i just passed it the other day uh, on the high line because <laughs> i've been talking about maybe getting a day job so she sent me we passed it and she goes oh that's like a super swanky nice place yeah and then we got home and she sent me the craigslist ad of them hiring servers and i was uh, like so i'm very aware of pasties it's a good place i mean they have one of the best burgers in new york city if i remember correctly which yeah. i probably don't but like they uh i was there and like we got, I was, so it's one of those situations where like I went out to dinner with my two friends. They're a couple. They're a married couple. And I'm just the guy. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you know, well, thanks for taking me out to dinner, you know? And, and they're th- paying. No, I don't know if they're, I don't remember. I don't, I don't think that they're paying. That is one of the things <laughs> when I go hang out with my married couple friends now, because they all have like good jobs. Yeah. And now we've been out of college for almost 10 years. So yeah. everyone's moved up to where they're making good money. <laughs> so now when we go out, I go. I'm a starving artist. Like, yeah. You guys are obviously You bad. have to pay. Like, I don't say it, but I'm always like, when the check comes, I'll do that thing where I wait a beat, and then I kind of <laughs> reach for my wallet, and they're like, oh, no, 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 we got it. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> no, I don't... It wasn't quite like that. Like, we were all planned this night, because we hadn't gone out together in a long time. It was Remember, it was weird times. Like, yeah. Everything was closed and stuff. We are like, we're going to go out, and uh, but I was just getting so wasted at that. Like, they weren't getting as wasted as I was. Like, they were just having a normal night, you know? Yeah. <laughs> they went out for a nice dinner, and you're <laughs> yeah. like, let's get fucking let's, hammered. Let's party. And I'm like... I, I I love this stuff called uh, Ricciard. It's like a pasties. It's a French like app dinner, after dinner drink, aperitif. Yeah. One of, long story, doesn't matter right now, but one of my best friends lives in Paris and it's a whole long complicated story, but I, w- I had to go visit him over the years because he, he was an immigrant. He had trouble getting back in the US. And so uh, I spent a lot of time in Paris drinking this stuff. So they had it on the menu there and I was just pounding like a whole bottle of it just God. like for nostalgia. And then it, they were pouring it in this fancy container. It was like a it was like a pasties container that like the, a decanter. Yeah, like yeah, like some like fancy th- thing they used to like make the cocktail on the table. Pretty okay, much. you put water in it, like fancy ice, and like it's just like it's basically like a flower pot for alcohol. You yeah. know what I mean? And um, and I just was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal. I was like, I'm, I told them like I'm gonna steal this thing, and like which is like not a big deal, sort of like to steal like a container from a restaurant. Like yeah, I've done people do it to us ten thousand worse things in my life. Yeah. You know that's what I mean. That's what I'm trying to say in terms of like how serious is this? Like, nah, it's not. Like I just was like, I'm gonna steal it. So like. Did you I, say it out loud? Yeah, I was like, I'm going to steal this thing. People say that out because at the <laughs> restaurant I work at, I never bring it up, but we shake the martinis at the table. Yeah. And then I pour them out. And it's always, it's normally like younger women who are always like, oh my God, I need that in my apartment. How much for that? <laughs> yeah, and I'm yeah. always like, hey, I don't keep inventory, but if I leave it on the table, make sure you tip me well. Like, <laughs> it's always like a joke. Yeah. But you, so you say, you do the, I'm going I'm I'm to fucking take, take this. I'm stealing this thing, man. Yeah. So I'm like. I like shit. I'm blacked out drunk, so I like shittily put it under my shirt. You know what I mean? And it looks like shit. And I'm like, just I'm like, yo, you guys, like, I'll meet you outside. Because like we had just paid the check. I was like, I'll meet you outside. So I'm gonna leave first with this thing. And they're like, okay, steal that thing, great, Andrew. You know? And I'm like, I'm like walking out of the restaurant, and like, you know, was, I I had a mask on because you had to wear them at that time, and it, it, it like it fell off on the ground, and the waiter was going. Sir, you dropped your mask. Sir, you dropped your mask. And I thought he like knew I was stealing the thing, and I was like, "Oh fuck!" You know, and I just like started taking off, running through the restaurant. So he, this guy tells me, "Forgot your mask." I'm causing a huge scene, just plowing through the restaurant, like avoiding waiters, dipping my way out. You know what I mean? I just run out as if I had stolen the bill, or yeah. like, you know. But we paid the bill, so it's like some like waiter ch- chased me a little bit. He's like, "Dude, what are you doing?" You know, he's like, "Yeah," like chased after me. And I just booked it down the block because they're still chasing you. So yeah. in your head, you're like, "Oh, they're, they're chasing me because yeah. of this thing, because of this container that like they didn't even really know I had that, you know." But either way, like I don't remember the rest of the night. And then I just woke up the next morning and I like opened my eyes and I just saw the container just sitting on the windowsill and like it all kind of that like the fuzziness of came it came back, back yeah. to me. I was like, "Oh yeah, I stole that." And then I was like, "Damn, man, I'm like 31. Uh, like, I, you know, I'm like, what am I? What the fuck is happening?" Like I went out to dinner at my friends, the Chalmers is, and I can't keep it together for like. It was just like I was just like I'm so tired of this shit. Like, yeah. I and it was like I said a very light thing compared to the things I've done in my life. I was like I just don't want to do this stuff anymore. Like why am I doing this? Yeah. And uh, that was when I was like I think I gotta give it up, man. Like I, I and think, that was it. And then I called my friend Jerry who had gotten sober. I went to a couple of AA meetings. Um, I, uh, I I did like this like online program, this one year no beer thing. I started like getting involved with like quit drinking communities. I, started, yeah. I read Annie Grace's book. Um, control alcohol, which had a huge impact on oh, the way I good. thought about it. I read that book over and over and over again in the beginning. Got into therapy. I started talking to like a drug counselor and stuff like that. And uh, then I just started taking the steps. Yeah, did one day at a time, doing all that kind of thing. You know, I never formally joined AA, like I said, because I wasn't really willing to just totally give up pot. It was just it was yeah. a separate weird thing. Um, but yeah, that was the moment when California re- sober. That's what we call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that that was when I realized that uh, 
I, I, I didn't want to drink anymore. It was just, it was just, it was like around then. And then I started taking the, the strides to, uh, to make it happen. And I, and I haven't had a drink since, which was like a year and a half ago. That's awesome. Man. Which is awesome. Yeah. But, uh, I've, you know, but I've had to maintain it. And like I said, I, I do occasionally, I do go to AA meetings. I'm just not formally in the program. I'll like pop in here and there. I still do these like online discussion threads and stuff. Yeah. I still read the literature. I, I quit lit. It's like a huge part of it. I still go to therapy and I still try to talk to other people that are trying to stop. So yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> Because I get four years in May, and my congrats, that's huge. Thank you. Yeah. My last time I drank was, and I, I won't tell the story again because I've told it a million times. But I was dying, like yeah. literally, like in the hospital. Yeah, doctor was like, "You should have been dead a while ago." Like this is weird. And then the joke is like, oh, "I've been training for this my whole life." <laughs> but, but that's when I was finally like, "All right, I guess I have to stop now." Because before I would stop and then start and then stop and then start. It like I said, it took five years before I got my first one year chip. But yeah. But I tell people all the time because people will reach out. And you know this from not drinking for a year and a half now. People reach out and they go, hey, I'm trying to stop. And for me, I love working with those people, help, trying to help those kind of people. But it's also one of the hardest things. Yeah. Because you forget. I tell people all the time it's like Neverland. Like if you're away – like from the movie Hook, if you're away from it long enough, you forget. Yeah. So when I stop drinking, sometimes it's hard for me to remember that headspace I was in. Yeah. When like my life was over, you know, for all intents and purposes. Mm -hmm. And so I feel so terrible when people come to me and they're like, hey, I want to stop. Because I'm always like, yeah, no problem. Like do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And then they don't do it. And I'm like, I thought you said you wanted to stop. And then it's mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah. Remember how hard it was for you to fucking stop drinking? <laughs> yeah. Like it's insane. So it's awesome that you were able to wake up the next day and just be like, nah, I'm well, going to take the steps took the to steps. figure this out. It yeah. was hard though. I mean, it, in the beginning, especially, you know, it was, it was because I mean, you're undoing all this wiring that your brain yeah. has. I told people going to the movie sober was one of the hardest things I had to relearn. Yeah. And people laugh about it, but it's like, I used to always go to the movies and I would get fucked up before, yeah. go to the movies and sneak in my flask, yeah. mix it with my Dr. Pepper in the movie theater. Yeah. So by the time I left, I was obliterated. <laughs> like watching movies sober was something I had to relearn to. And people all the time, are like, what does that even mean? And it's like, when you do something for so long a certain way, you have to rewire your entire brain. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're in these kind of grooves and it's happening robotically. And it's like, yeah, you know, I, it's muscle I, memory. It's muscle memory. And I still, it still, it still gets, you can still get, like, I still get triggered. Like, you have to work on it like every day. You know what I mean? I could still be like, yeah, well, I should go in that pub and drink a bucket of beer. Like, it happens. Yeah. I have thoughts like that. I, you know? it, for me, it's work. Like, I'll have a super <laughs> stressful day and I'll be like, oh, it looks like my sobriety's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but then you know now because, like, that's the way your brain is wired to cope with whatever you're coping with. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I have those sort of awareness thoughts now, too. Yeah. And now I walk outside, I take a deep breath. I smoke a cigarette i call my sponsor and i'm like yeah let's not do that yeah like i i'm exactly like I, the, I always tell people that a major thing i've tried to do over the last couple of years is put space between my impulses and like uh, yeah. and like what i'm gonna do. like so it's like i have a thought and then i have an impulse to do something i normally i used to just do it yeah and now i'm trying to put like well, let's put like a minute in between that and let's see what else i can come that's up with. all it takes sometimes <laughs> is like two minutes there's yeah. so many and i mean it happened because anger is my biggest defect so there's so many times where i'm at work and i'm like i guess i'm just gonna fucking leave yeah. or punch this like patron in the face <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah like i guess that's and then you wait a couple of beats and you're like Oh, that's not that big of a deal. No. Like, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did mention that you have done way worser, yeah. way worser things. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to get to some of them because sure. we're, we're coming up on the hour, but I do want to yeah. get into a few of these. And we got to have you back on because we're not going to be able to get to all these. No, no, no. It's fine. But you talked about being high functioning for a while until you weren't. Yeah. So I want to get to some of the things where you're clearly not functioning anymore. Yeah, sure. So your dad's 64th birthday party. Oh, dude, yeah. I mean, again, not my craziest story, like, yeah. you know, but like just this was also one of the things that contributed to me not um to stopping. Yeah, I, I, this actually hit home for me because there are a lot of times where I've planned stuff with my family yeah. and then just not shown up. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So. And, and, you know, and, and when we're talking about these things that led to me, this was a big one. And I, I, I totally, I'm glad you brought it up because it's like, this was that so that summer where it was COVID summer where like all this you know I'm living in Jersey I'm thinking about stopping and then I went back to the city so this is during that time period where I went back to the city okay and I'm just partying again like a lunatic and uh, it was my dad's 65th birthday party my dad's a super nice guy never really asked me for much you know uh, he's like he's not that's a, always the worst that's the worst you know he's a, he's a, he's not a defective guy like he's not he doesn't. It, like, I don't know why I came out the way I was, but I, I never attributed any of it to him. You yeah. know what I mean? He's just like a good dude. And uh, it was a 60th birthday party. I never really do much for him. I wanted to be at his – he wanted to have, like have his party start at like some old man time, like 11 in the morning or something like that on like a Sunday. I was like, yeah, I'll be there. You know what I mean? I'll be there on time, da 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 And like – So was, what happens leading up to this? Like the night before, are you partying and Yeah, stuff? so yeah. it's like Saturday night. I go out and I'm going ballistic. So – <laughs> 
So, but first, I'm like, I'm like, I'm just gonna have a beer because tomorrow's this big party that my dad's having. Yeah, I'm gonna be responsible. And I'm, I'm, I'm just having a beer. You know, I got, I, I can't fuck this up. I, I told them I'd be there tomorrow. I'll be there at 11 in the morning. And my, and you know, my parents think I'm a maniac. You know, what I mean? they know I, I don't fuck with Sundays. Like yeah. they, 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 they. Like my mom used to say to me, like, try not to drink a thousand beers before you come home. She'd say stuff like that. You yeah, know, so, so they, they, had, they had, they had, oh, they know, yeah. You know, because I've been around the block, like with DWIs and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, um. So uh, that night I'm having a beer and I'm like I really shouldn't do this and then of course one beer turns into a million beers and I'm and then we're drinking like bottles of wine before I know it we're drinking like three four bottles of wine I drink a gazillion beers I'm taking shots then we start doing this Molly like substance then we're t- then at, like I remember at, like two in the morning I took a bunch of shrooms with my friend Brian and then we're just up just like hallucinating and fucked up and till like eight in the morning you know what I mean and like, you got to be at your dad's by and the I'm way. like I gotta go to this thing and I and I'm I'm like out of my mind you know like I'm so you're. <laughs> Beyond wasted, beyond wasted, done tripping the, the Molly esque, yeah. and now you're doing tripping mushrooms. on speed on mushrooms, drunk, and you turn to Brian and go, "I gotta, I gotta get go to, to New the, Jersey. Okay. Yeah, I gotta get out of here, man. I gotta." I, he goes, oh, "All right." So I, I, now I'm on like no sleep, and I'm heading towards Penn Station, and I'm like, "I'm gonna take this train. I'm gonna try to pull this off." You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a grand heist. Yeah, yeah, and it, it was, and it's such like a, in my the funny thing is when I, when I recall this story is like in my head I thought I I was like I'm gonna. I got it. I'm good. I took like a shower, looked in the mirror. I was like, no, I'm, I look good, but I must have looked insane. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm good. I changed my clothes. I put it in Listerine. Go to, the, go, to the, go to Penn Station. Get on the train. And I'm still, I'm bugging. Like, I'm like on drugs. You know what I mean? And I'm tripping. Shit, and I'm you're drunk. on a lot of drugs. Yeah, I'm fucked. Like, I, I know I'm fucked, but I feel like I'm like, pull, I'm like, like everybody, nobody sees it. Yeah. And I'm like sitting there and I just fall asleep, like immediately on the train, just knocked out. As soon as the train started moving, I just fell asleep because now it's like, you know, it's like ten in the morning the next morning. Yeah, and, and it's a forty minute train ride. It's, for, it's like a it's like an hour train ride. Okay, yeah, because you said they moved. They moved. Yeah, so I'm like falling asleep, and then just hours later, I wake up in like Sandy Hook, New Jersey, somewhere. You know what I mean? Like really far from where my parents live. So, so many questions. Because <laughs> well, I've been on the train because our storage unit was in Jersey. Okay. And so, like, there's people on the train who, like, take your ticket and tell you where to get off yeah. and, like, stamp the thing. Nobody said anything to you? I don't know. I don't know if anybody tried to wake me up or what happened. I, I just woke up and I was, like, at the last stop. So, I guess nobody said anything to me. It's possible they tried to wake me up. I don't know. And how far are you from? Afar. Like, like hours, you like, said. Like, a couple hours, probably. Like, no shot. I'm not going to get to the party at end of day. Yeah, because at this point, it's got to be, like, what, 12 in the afternoon? Yeah, I, at this point, I missed... Like I wasn't there in the beginning, and now it's like yeah, it's like a couple hours after the party. Directly. Is your phone like blowed up? Yeah, there's seven bazillion missed calls because my dad was picking me up at the train station. So like the last text I sent him before I passed out was like, "Be there in forty minutes. Like meet you at the train station." So he, oh my god, yeah, so, so he, they might have thought he's you like got who knows taken or died or <laughs> they were just like I don't know, like you know. <laughs> What's your first thought when you wake up? Because I've been in this situation a lot. My <laughs> first thought when I woke up was like, I got to come up with a story. Like, I, yeah. I you know, I got immediately I'm, worried about like how I'm going like, to, how you're perceived. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I got to tell them that. Cause I'll I, just tell them I fell asleep. Like they'll understand. I was, I was tired. Yeah, just tell them the truth. Like, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm tired, you know, uh, fuck. And like, I like, and then I look at your phone. It's like, it was like literally like 27 missed calls or something from them. And I was like, oh man, like. So my first thought was just like was like fuck 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 I, I can't believe this actually happened and yeah. then B was like okay settle down what's the story you're gonna tell that's gonna make everybody okay with this you know what I mean I fell asleep on the train I fell asleep is on that the what train. you said so I, I called them back I was like I mean that's true this, this is, is so happened. embarrassing dad like this is crazy I can't believe this has happened but like I just fell asleep on the train man I don't know why like you know what I mean I don't know why <laughs> but then, then they were like well you were probably fucked up or something you know it's like who falls asleep on the train it's, it's ten o'clock on a Sunday morning like you know what I mean I'll, that's always the worst too because. <laughs> Even if you come up with the best story ever, because in, from my experience, because of my habits, yeah, people are like, yeah, well, you were probably fucked up. That's why that happened. Yeah. Like, I could be like, somebody hit me with their car, and they go, yeah, well, you were probably wasted, like, riding your bike, yeah. and you rode into traffic. And I'd be yeah. like, I got hit by a car. Like, <laughs> who cares if I was fault. wasted? Yeah. But it's automatically your fault because of your the history of what you do. Yeah. Yeah. So, great. Come back, by the way. I fell asleep. I mean, just going with that. Because, like, honestly, What yes. are you going to say? I mean, so, well, yeah, it's, yeah. it's 10 in the morning. Because yeah. at least when you say that, they know, like, oh, he was on the train. Like, he got there. Yeah. Like, he had every intention of coming. I was going to be there. Yeah, and then yeah. just fell asleep. So what happens? Were you able to, like, 
patch so, everything up or were they pissed at you? They were pissed. I mean, yeah, they knew that I was partying. They knew that that's the reason I fell asleep. Yeah. So like they were like annoyed at that whole situation that I couldn't keep it together to like come to this like once once in a decade party that they have. They never have people over or anything like that. Um, they were annoyed that I, I, I was like, yeah, I, I could, I, I was kept lying and saying like, I'm just tired. Like I didn't go out last night, but I, I don't know. I just, I don't know why I can't believe I fell asleep, you know? And like, so I was like not admitting that I was fucked up, which was annoying yeah. them even more. And, um, and then I was like, okay, well I'm getting on the train. I'm coming back. Like I'm going to come by no matter what. I'm going to go in the other direction. I'll be there. Yeah. And then I, I remember I went into, um, like a bathroom in some restaurant in the, wherever this town was where I wound up to get ready for the next train. And I just remember looking at myself and I just looked like shit. And I knew I reeked like cigarettes and booze and like my dark bags under my eyes. I just looked like shit. So like, you did not look as good as you did. No, now, now hours later when I woke, I, now I'm like sobered up a little bit. I'm like, oh my God, like I look so bad. Yeah. Like there's no way that I can see these people. You know, yeah. I look like shit. So then on the I, I had to on the way back I called them I was like I'm I'm not coming I was like I'm just going back I'm so I'll, I'll go make it up to you but I like rationed in my head like it would be better to make them just hate me for not showing up than to see me in this condition That's 100% agree 100% agree cuz there are sometimes where I've like mustered it up and been like let's fucking go like we said we'd be there and then yeah. you get there and it's a disaster Yeah and I've done that before where like I remember I went to dinner at my grandma's one time and she knows all these stories because I when I got sober, I would have dinner with her every week because I'll for, you know, one, because she's my grandma and I love her. But two is because for all those times that I said I'd be there and I wasn't. So yeah. I was like, I need to make it up. So we started having dinner once a week. That was our thing every Thursday. But I remember when I was still drinking, we were trying to do dinner like once a month because I literally lived like 20 minutes from her. So I was like, I got to go see her. Yeah. And I remember one time I sh- I was like, I don't even remember driving to her house. That's how <laughs> drunk I was. Yeah. And I was there. And I remember like we ate dinner, but then I immediately threw it up because I'm not a, when I'm wasted, I can't eat. Huh. Like, like as soon as I eat, I'm like, nope. And yeah. I threw it up. And then I remember coming out of the bathroom and making up like this story that like, I was just super anxious about like everything going on in my life. And then I started crying, talking about like my ex fiance oh, in front of my, and she's like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. And I like totally broke down. But to your point, it's like. I should have just stayed home. Yeah. Like all of this could have been avoided. Uh, yeah. And like, yeah, I would have been a dick for canceling. But if I would have just texted her and been like, hey, I'm I'm not feeling so great. I'm just gonna stay home, all of that would have been avoided. Yeah. So sometimes it's, it's better to what, you, hedge your bets, sort yeah, of. Yeah. Like exactly. they're gonna hate you anyway. You might as well. I knew if I showed up there, I just they were gonna see how I look. And I remember that train ride home was like a dark one. Cause I yeah. was like, now I'm hungover. Now I have nothing. You know, I'm, I'm depleting of all the drugs and the alcohol. Oh, your uh, dopamine's gone. It's gone. And, yeah. and I know what Serotonin, I look like and I know what I yeah. did. And I'm looking at them as calls. And I'm like, you ever had those things where like, I wish there was a way where I could just erase that this happened. Yes. Like, yeah, I just wait, I'd like to erase this. Like, I Go back to the previous load screen <laughs> yeah, yeah, all yeah. the time. Refresh. Like, yeah. I, I just would like, I want to stop remembering that this actually occurred. Oh. Like, you know, maybe it's a glitch in the matrix. And that that going home that night, I was like, I was like, man, I was like, that coupled with like all the other thoughts I'd been having during that time was like, that's what led to me when stealing the thing. I was like, I got to give it up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, that was a big one though. I felt like shit after that. That's, <laughs> I hate to do it, but that's where we're going to have to end it. We're going to have you back on. Cause with that light story, I yeah. love, we'll end it there. Well, cause we only talked about two out of the seven stories that you brought. Cause we got, I got caught up on. Your car party days in college and everything. Yeah, no, I, man, I appreciate it. This was really fun. Yeah, so, we'll yeah. definitely <laughs> have you back on. Plug everything one more time. The show, um, where everybody can find you in the Village Idiot, all that. Sure, yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, again, um, I'm Andrew Ginsberg, Village Idiot Comedy Show, every Wednesday at the Juke Bar, every Monday at the Mayfly. Follow us on Instagram at the Village Idiot and the Village Idiot NYC.com. Beautiful. And it's Gin- Insta Insta Ginsberg? Yeah, Insta Ginsberg. G-I-N-S-B-E-R-G. Insta Ginsberg. There you go. Yeah. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. Of course, you can follow me on all social media at Brennan T. Comedy, BrennanTComedy.com. Upcoming dates, I'll be in Florida March 14th through 17th. Then I'll be in Dayton, Ohio, uh, second week of April. I'll put the dates on the website. Subscribe on Patreon, patreon.com slash Brennan Tassif. And thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you all next week. Thanks. <laughs>